0: Okay. Well, uh my name's Aaron. Uh Weiss, 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 if you're German. Um I'll answer to all of those, but uh great joy for me to be with you this morning. Uh, I've known Sean for a long time. Love your pastor. You have an amazing pastoral couple. Uh Sean and Naomi are dear friends of ours, and I'm happy to jump in. And so what I'd love to do is uh, is actually read the text that we're looking at together. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm going to actually ask you to look at two passages. If you're new to your Bibles, this is a great Sunday because the first passage, page 1, Genesis 1, I'm going to look at verse 27 and 28, and then we're going to jump to the parable that we're focusing on as I know that you're in a series looking at parables uh, in Luke 16. So hopefully that was enough time that you can turn to those pages and I'll read those for you. So Genesis 1 so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the Fish of the sea over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth Luke sixteen one to 15 He also said to the disciples this is Jesus speaking There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to him, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do. So then, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. And then he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For The sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than that of the sons of light And I tell you make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails They may receive you into the eternal dwellings One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth who will entrust to you the right true riches and if you have been not have been faithful in that which is another's who will give that which is your own no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve god and money the pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him and he said to them you are those who justify yourselves before men but god knows your hearts for what is exalted among men is an abomination in sight of God. I, uh, I selected this passage, not, not to be cocky because it's a difficult one and, and prove myself as a speaker, but rather uh, I had opportunity to teach on this before as our church not too long ago uh, looked at the parables in some of our studies. And I found this one to be captivating, and, and the reason I added on Genesis 1 is it provides the background that will help you understand it. And, and captivating in this sense, we, we're instantly uh, curious about what's going on. We perhaps are somewhat lost, but there's something about this which speaks to our nature as humanity. We're created to be managers or stewards. In fact, that's language which I'm sure is familiar to you as Jesus replicated that and used that same kind of imagery in his parables. parables being illustrations or common-day Uh, Images or stories that convey deeper truths Jesus would use these to teach and he would use these um, At times to correct and at times to rebuke or sometimes simultaneously the audience that was receiving it And what's amazing about this and why I create this uh, On-ramp towards the parable using Genesis chapter 1 it, it speaks to Our design as God's creation now now put aside for a moment everything you know about the Bible Everything you know about being a Christian and just look at page one of your Bibles And 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 here are the opening scenes God creates he declares everything good and he puts Humanity as his representatives in a a place of abundance all the food you could want all the drink You could have all the things you could imagine to do places to explore and he says off you go Like it's yours. I Mean that's awesome. That's incredible That's something that I hope actually warms your hearts Um, But what happens and the problem that leads out to and if you're skeptical this morning going pastor But there's a whole lot more Bible Beyond page one around page three. We see the problem It's that we didn't want to be many representatives. We wanted to be many sovereigns god. I don't want to do it your way How about I do it mine? God, I, I don't I don't want to look at these things as a borrowed resource. I want them to be my resource I don't want to act in a way that's in, in alignment and, and, and uh, connection with how you've designed me to be. But, Lord, I'm going to kind of pave my own way. And we enter into what is the problem of Scripture and really God's plan to remedy and restore and redeem that. You see, what, what happens in this is, and what we see in the text is that we, we didn't want the job of being managers or stewards. We wanted something else. We wanted to build our own kingdom. And so Jesus is using that this parable to, to build on that problem and help correct our hearts. In fact, uh, by way of an illustration and uh, outline this morning, it speaks to the design of stewardship, how it's corrupted, and why that's important for us. First of all, the design. Again, let, if you bear with me, staying with the opening scenes in Genesis 1. Uh, again, we, we see something more than God just creating humanity. He's creating He's creating humanity with a job, a role. We actually see this very clearly in verses 2 to 15 of Genesis, where he says, I want you to work and keep. Those are managerial responsibilities. It's an idea of, I want you to cultivate, I want you to grow, and I want you to protect it. And the reason I read the verses I did this morning was, we, we get these descriptors to multiply. To fill, to subdue, to have dominion. what What's happening in the text is simply this is, as God says, This is yours, now go. He says, I want you to multiply. I want, I want representatives of me everywhere. I want you to fill, I, I want them in every corner. I don't want there to be a, a one facet or one location of my creation which is void of my representation, which is being expressed through the goodness of who I am in you. And, and you need to subdue and have dominion and, and what that speaks to is creation has an element that is unruly and by the Management and how we act as representatives we bring that under his lordship And if that language is you know troublesome for you in other words, you represent something of him in the way you operate You know that 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 should be tangible to us would be is if our boss our employer our supervisor were to leave town and leave you in charge they're not just saying, you do the job in my absence. They're like, you do it the way I would until I come back. This is the charge given humanity, and humanity spoils that when they go, not your kingdom but mine. I'm going to take all these resources. I'm going to take all these opportunities. I'm going to take every breath of air that's in my lungs, and I'm going to bend it to my will. That's that's uh, the condition of humanity. That's our rebellion. Now, what's a, a fascinating thing here that we with that in mind, Jesus is building out this parable in a way to go, we, we have this propensity to, to try and have everything. To say we're good managers, good stewards in a way that's uh, honoring the Lord and yet uh, really building ourselves up. Because if we were to jump back to the parable, if we were to transition this way, uh, Jesus is really building off, riffing off this idea in this pictorial imagery of a dishonest manager. He, he catches us up in the story on the day he's fired. So we don't really know in great detail why he's being fired. We know that there's been dishonest management of funds. Could have been embezzling, stealing, laziness. We don't really know. That doesn't matter. But it's kind of like catching up in, this, in the, a movie that would be like Ocean's 11. It, it, it's... A lot of activity, a lot of planning and preparation, which happens in a very short period of time, and we end up almost cheering for the bad guy. If you ever like those movies, it's you know, it's not the fact that they're thieves that we cheer for them. It's just, man, they put a lot of effort in that plan. We're kind of happy it came together. That's essentially what Jesus is doing in this story. This dishonest manager is, is put in a position on his last day of work Where He's terrified of of what's going to take place again. Let me help you understand what's taking place here Uh, Some of this is very transferable to our context Uh, Somebody who's placed in a position of high level trust Able to manage all the resources of the master the only thing off-limits would be his family He would have been treated like the next person in line as a you know extra member of the family nothing was off-limits unfettered access. And whatever he did, he represented the master in his absence. This was a, an incredible position. And and what it was essentially doing and what, what, what we see in this text is, is more than just, man, I'm afraid to lose what is a very cushy and, and high-profile job. It's We actually see that if he were to lose his job, there's nothing else he can do. Not be, just because of who he is, but actually the circumstance that are taking place. We, we see this as a picture given uh, in the cultural context, which is probably somewhat elusive to us. So let me help you with that. When this whole image is corrupted, the context that w- is probably somewhat difficult for us, many commentators point towards this. We actually see it in the text, but need some help building out is jesus is using this parable to poke at the cultural implications and understanding the turning of a blind eye uh, kind of process that is taking place within the culture the borrowing and trading economics that would have been uh, prevalent in jesus's day and amongst the jewish community which was supposed to be if you go back to your opening chapters in your bible in the book of deuteronomy god Expresses to his people the way in which you are to borrow and trade is very clear. No interest So if you were to lend to another it was at at no interest It was mainly to represent something of God's character to pull people out of Of impoverishment to help them advance their own position and if they repay you it's the exact sum in which they borrowed There was never to be any lending or or borrowing or or commerce in which somebody got rich over and above somebody else. In fact, this is so evident that in Deuteronomy 15, we actually see that every seven years, debts were wiped clean. Who would like that? You know, year six, we'd all be making a run on the bank. And, And if you're a borrower, you love this. If you are a lender, you hate it. Because what's in it for me? How do I how do I get wealthy? How do I advance my own position? Isn't that the reason I have more of something because I've been a good manager a good steward? I've I've been savvy with my money. I haven't been lazy I, I, I you know good fortune has come my way and, and so what if somebody else hasn't experienced that and what God Clearly lays out in his law is that you are to be a distinct people that you pluck one another up not for Your own advancement not to look good on social media But simply because you are to have care and compassion for one another who are part of god's people that that was his heart And this is still at play in jesus's day But what has taken place and what the author is alluding to and we can actually see it in the text is an understanding that behind the scenes the jewish community had a way of trading Borrowing and lending that kind of circumvented this what they would do is, well, we still wanted to get rich as lenders. So we would still charge interest, but it was the way in which we uh, both recorded and, and acted that allowed for kind of a, a crooked dealing to look righteous. And the way they would do that is this, that, and we see this in the text where the, the manager, the dishonest manager sits down and says, well, how much do you owe? Make it less. What they would do is, if there was a going rate for, let's say, wheat, it was ten percent. If you borrowed a hundred measures of wheat, they would simply write out the bill one hundred and ten, because therefore, on the books, it looks like, it looks like it's a legitimate uh, same amount for same expense. And yet, we know under the table, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There, there's there's an interest being paid here. In fact, I, I shared this parable a number of months ago, and and one of the somebody who was listening in, he he was uh, in, involved in, in, you know, assets and, and trade uh, in the Middle East. And he came up to me, he's like, it still happens today. He was trained to write up acquisitions and, and trade in such a way that represented the same sort of thing, where, where you could look like a really generous and pious person, but we all know under the surface, you're getting all that you want. And then beyond that, because where the Master wasn't present and the manager was acting in his place There was an arm's length deniability In the event that somebody dragged the manager before the Jewish religious leaders or before the community and said this guy Is charging way too much. He's charging interest. He's circumventing the system and he's trying to gouge other people in our community The, the ma- uh, sorry the master was at arm's length. He could simply fire him go ahead. I had no idea you see how this is like a crooked system meant to look, and this is what Jesus is essentially drawing on as he's pointing towards, not directly, but kind of subtly towards the Pharisees, that having having the appearance of righteousness, but denying it in their practice. What, what's happening again in this text, and where this becomes corrupted, is that we actually see that... that Jesus is speaking to a way in which the people have learned to act towards each other and convince each other that this is okay that is drawing their hearts away drawing their hearts away from not only God's economy and how he would want them to act but actually in a way that they're so confused even of themselves this this is actually where if the verses that you would get hung up on in this text are probably verses eight and nine where, where the, the master, after seeing all this take place, so you have to appreciate, here, here's what happens in, in, in real time. Last day of his employment, he goes through the Rolodex, if you remember those, and he, he phones up and he makes a meeting with absolutely every debtor that he's ever worked with, and he says, what is my master, or what do you owe my master? Let's cut it down. What he's doing, is saying, let's remove the interest. Let, let's chop it down to size. And in so doing, he's actually making it look like, wow, your master is a, a very religious person. Very generous, very upright. He's he's only going to ask back what was taken and no interest on top. And by doing so, he's he's actually elevating the his own station, but that of the one he's representing, the master as well. It's a great strategy because when he comes back, what do we have? The... The, the master applauds him, commends him. Does that does that trouble any of you as you read this? Like he gets away, he gets an award, like a gold star for being dishonest? He's not approving of the dishonesty, but he's saying, I'm impressed. You got what you want. You are very astute. You are very shrewd in a way that you, you kind of manipulated a crooked system for your benefit. This crooked system was meant to Build up the master and now he's like wow you've actually leveraged that for yourself because it left the master with absolutely no recourse Like what could he do? It's not like he could go through the Rolodex one more time and phone all of these Lenders and, and borrowers and, and go guys listen. Uh, I, I I regret to inform you there was an, a disgruntled employee he set up a few meetings and and I have to Uh, Recall all the benefits that he gave you I have to go back and and bring the bills to their original account to do so would be to Have evidence To to remove his deniability to put himself at risk for the the community to drag him in front of the religious leaders and go This guy doesn't care about God's law. This guy is gouging. This guy is, is trying to cheat us And so all he can do, his only recourse is essentially to let the manager go with a good reference. Do you see what's happening in the text? In verse 9, what he's saying, a very confusing verse, is essentially saying this, if only you you were able to do that with what mattered. So here's why it's important to us. You know, imagine if all the resources opportunities relationships at your disposal if you could leverage those in a way which mattered for god's kingdom and not your own see when you care about something money flows freely that's that's what jesus is getting at we saying you, you can only serve one master you can't serve two your heart can't be loyal to both and i know this is where people get nervous like oh the pastor's going to talk about money don't don't worry we're not we're not exactly going there what we're talking about is your relationship to your future. If you think it's all about you, then sure, all your resources are going to align to that. But when you realize that, no, that everything you've been given is to represent. I'm not talking about management as much as I'm talking about representation. How about, just pause for a moment. to know how to represent the Lord with your resources is actually more a question of how well do I know the Lord, not resources. And when you know him, you know exactly. It it flows freely. I know what this would look like. I I was thinking about this in between services. Um, I live on a cul-de-sac in southeast Calgary. And, And during COVID, let's not talk about COVID, but we got to know our neighbors really well. And and two houses down, we my twin daughters are nine, and we have a, a neighbor boy, single single child in their family. He's eight, and and at that time, incredibly lonely. He just started knocking on our door every day. You know, you hear this knock, knock, knock. We knew it was him. We let it, and we just told him everything. In this house is yours. Just come. And some of you go like, that's God's heart, that's generosity. But but we would also correct. He'd come in our house and destroy it. He'd open our fridge eat all our food He would you know take things back to his house And so what do we began doing we began leveraging and enforcing the same rules of our house I remember saying to him one time everything in this house is is yours and that includes the way we live Because we want to shape you See this is about representation The way in which you use and leverage all that's at your disposal is about representing the one who is hopefully shaping you if your passions and your desires are being shaped by a thing, by by a, an opportunity, by a status, by, by a love that is not the Lord, then that'll shape you and it'll shape all that's around you. See, here's a, we, we get stuck as if you're a very church person, you hear this, you can't serve God and money. We tend to go, well, I love God. I'm okay. Well, we don't really evaluate that. But rather, if we're being shaped by that, it's like, well, how, how do I view all the resources, all the things at my disposal? Are, are they being shaped by the love I have in Christ? And if so, how do I see that? It, it's incredible that, you know, Jesus's indictment is, you know, all the ins and the outs, the loopholes and the ways of, of, of getting through the system to get what you want. Imagine if that was so with the kingdom. I'm a guest, but imagine if that was so in Canmore. Where, where your church was so passionate about reaching this place for Jesus that it was like, we just can't get rid of these people. They're everywhere. Not only are they everywhere, they're, we like them. <laughs> we, just, we don't know what to do here. They're, this presence is pushing out this representation of God's love. It is multiplying, it is filling, and it's bringing it under his lordship. See, we've been given that as our task. And Jesus' indictment to to the Pharisees is like, no, no, you're not advancing me. You're advancing something else. But also knowing his disciples were present and speaking to them more directly than those who are listening in. He goes, this is what I want to be about you and church by extension us, that you're the kind of people who, through being shaped by me, you will go and shape the world around you. God gives us the greatest picture of this in his son. That we know God's heart through His investment. He says, "I give you my one, my only, my beloved." And through that investment, that it, it radically transforms, changes who we are, creates an investment that, that's undeniable. Like I, I said this earlier, we we are representatives by our design. That's irrefutable if you accept the premise of Genesis chapter one. That means we're not pets. You know, we weren't put in an enclosure with all the food, water, and entertainment we could want because God is humane. No, we, we are more than that because you don't die for your pets. Your pets can't represent you. If you had to work from home during the pandemic, it's not like you could put your cat in front of the TV and be like, represents me today. And yet God entrusts that to us, going, no, no, my, I've invested my whole of me. I bankrupted heaven for you. That you might be shaped and then in so doing do the same work wherever you are. Church, that's my prayer for you. I want to close in prayer. And as I do so, I know we get to stand and sing. But let me pray. Father, I, I think if you your word and I pray um, that would come back, you promise in your word that, that it would never return void. So I, I lean on that, I'm asking that you would speak into hearts as you need to thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, earth, history, eternity, shaping investment. That, Lord, broke into my heart and I pray breaks into all of our hearts. So for anyone hearing this for the first time this morning, we know, God, you're not after their money. You're not after their stuff or their opportunities. You're after them. And the beauty of of When we fully receive you, we know that we have an inheritance beyond what we could have ever imagined, Lord, and all the other stuff doesn't matter. It flows freely, willingly, generously, God. Not a heart of duty, but a heart of joy. And you use those things to shape and build and amass eternal structures, a kingdom in your name. And thank you, Jesus, that you can work in our mistakes. That, that, Lord, you, as we bumble and stumble through this, that you will still do that. So I pray you do that work here in this church. I thank you for it. I thank you for the love of, of connecting with another church that is faithfully working and, and following you in Canmore. May they be blessed today. And, Lord, thank you for Sean. May I only give them rest. In your name we pray all these things. Amen.